welcome to episode 28 of Different Doctor, Same Old Shit. Uh, tonight we're here to talk about episode 5, I believe, of Doctor Who Flux, um, which is called Survivors of the Flux. Um, how are you doing anyway, Doc, before we get into it? I'm very well. Um, I'm, I'm actually sort of particularly full of life after watching this episode. I've, mm. uh, I, I think probably for the first time, I'm not going to struggle to have enough to say about it. Good, good, b- b- because I might. So maybe you're going to have to lead the charge here, Doc. So that's, that, that's interesting. Um, have you cut with the weather? Well, um, I moaned about it a bit yesterday, but then suddenly like the thought occurred to me that it's already the end of November. And mm. we, 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 we probably shouldn't be shocked if it gets a bit parky, should we? You're right, you're right. Uh, I had to drive a new car yesterday. Um, so I had to take out a new car that I'd never driven before in the midst of a, of a snowstorm. So that was quite an experience. Wow. Yeah. Um, wouldn't have enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, so you kind of, you know, a new car, you're kind of trying to figure out where all the controls are, trying to find the bite on the clutch, you know, the exact amount to accelerate, the sensitivity, sensitivity of the brakes. And the whole time, you know, the, 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 the road's like a fucking... Ice skating rink. Yeah. Um, we nervous? A little bit, but, you know, fortunately, um, you know, in general, mate, I'll put these things down to just experiences in life that we that we must endure. So I'll try and take the fun out of it. Yeah, I, I, I generally like to have my experiences in life that don't involve a very piece of, a, a very expensive piece of property, that's all. <laughs> That's fair enough, that's fair enough. Um, should we crack on? What do you reckon? I think we should. Jenkins? Yeah. Shut up with the wings there. Five rounds rapid. Okay, welcome to uh, the main part of the show. Sometimes we call this five round rapid when we're doing the normal episodes, but of course, these are not normal times, are they, Doc? Because we're in the midst of Doctor Who flux. Um, do you want to kick off? What, what do you make of it? Just for information, you know, for the listeners, it's 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 about just coming up to half past eight um, on the evening of transmission. So we've you know we've had kind of an hour and a quarter or so to to digest what we what we saw. Doc, kick us off. I am going to characterise this episode um, with the following phrase. A bunch of skilled and capable people unable to recognise a good idea even as they hold it in their hands. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it had so many things I liked about it. Yeah. Unfortunately, those were not the things that the people making the television programme seemed to want us to pay attention to. Right. Do you want to close up a little bit? Give us some. Give us some inkling as to as to these good ideas that you mysteriously managed to to glean from it, Doc. Well, I mean, the the bits I liked, and I think unsurprisingly, considering that the BBC is about to launch its high profile pre Christmas drama, which is an adaptation of Round the World in Eighty Days. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I really liked the Indiana Jones travelogue mm-hmm. parts of it. I, I loved those bits. Sure. I really enjoyed them. Yeah. Um, it's the first time for God knows how long that I can remember that some characters in Doctor Who actually seem to be taking some joie de vivre from mm. the fact that they get to travel and have some interesting, if scary, experiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, 
it's the single biggest contrast between Doctor Who from the early 60s and Doctor Who from the 2020s. If we go back to classic Who, I mean, that's a really interesting point you make. I'm trying to think, kind of, the, the last companion that really seemed to enjoy their travels. I mean, Ace maybe enjoyed her time with the Doctor. Um, Mel, well, it's hard to really read Mel. Perry certainly did not. Tegan certainly did not. Nissa really didn't seem to. Turlow was there almost under duress. Um, Adric, I don't know. You know, I, I think we're going back to Romana, aren't we, really? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's almost unfair uh, to talk about companions from the John Nathan Turner era because mm. with the exception of Turlow, none of those people are actually characters. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, um, just ciphers, basically, through which to filter the story, almost. Um, yeah, and then, like, uh, the, the, the slenderest excuse for a character quite often split two ways or three ways as well. Mm, mm. Um, I mean, you know, we're, um, when we get round to business as usual um, in the Peter Davison era, uh, we'll be coming up to one of about three occasions when a companion gets used really well as a character, and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward the hell out of it. Yeah, good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but... So, I mean, you know, roughly speaking, if you go back to the original iteration, Ian and Barbara, um, once they get over their, their initial flutters, um, they seem to be having a blast. Mm-hmm. They really do. See, um, Vicky seems to be not so much having a blast as in a permanent state of sexual excitation. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> like... Um, like it's the single most exciting thing that can ever be happening to anyone ever, and hell, why wouldn't it be? Jamie, who through the course of this project, or the, the course of my, my, my preparation and rewatching, is kind of threatening to turn into my favourite companion ever. I mean, uh, Jamie obviously loves his time on board the TARDIS, you know, w- wandering around, with having wild adventures with the Doctor. He's, yes. He's in his element, yeah, no doubt. And then a, a character who... Um, so a bit of a sneak preview here of character development I've spotted. A character who um, I've, I've sort of come to think of as Jamie but female, or Jamie mm-hmm. and female, um, and that's Sarah Jane. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, who is such a similar character in as much as um, not stupid but naive and experienced and out of their depth completely, but consistently trying to make the best of whatever odd situation they find themselves in. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think then, a big difference, I suppose, is, is, is kind of Sarah Jane seems to get scared. Jamie does not. But, but maybe that's just like the, because he's like a Highlander. You know, he's, he's meant to be like a, a bluff old Highlander, isn't he? Oh, it, it, um, Jamie wouldn't admit to it anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't imagine that someone who survived the Battle of Culloden Moor um, would have much room for fear in their lives, to be honest with you. Sure, yeah. Um, you've got a hard time teaching fear to someone like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think something that the writers do a really good job with, um, because of whether he's actually not very bright or just because he's from the 17th century, from from the 18th century, um, Jamie never quite gets his head around when he's supposed to be frightened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. there's, there's, there's a great bit in The Dominators where he takes some appalling risks, destroying some quarks, and the, the Doctor sort of admonishes him and says, like, don't you realise how dangerous that was? He goes, oh, they're near so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I suppose fear requires some level of understanding of of, of 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 the quotient of peril involved, doesn't it? You know, it's like you do, like you, imagine like a like a pre toddler that can crawl, just kind of crawling towards a, a snake. You know, an adult yeah. would never do that, but 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 a, a tiny little child might. Precisely. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I mean, the, those bits of this. Let's, let's talk about this episode. Go on. Um, we could do that. Um, those bits I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and they they were just possessed with a joy and a wide-eyed excitement at seeing various bits of the world in 1904. Mm-hmm. Um, I I expect this is going to get a turn of crap from the PC people, but um, I love the mad cackling old Indian guru on top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, um, that character really, really irritated me, Doc, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, 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 I thought the performance was poor, um, and I just thought it was almost like play school levels of humour. It, 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 um, it made my book clench. I... I just felt gratified that they didn't need to make him like cringingly sage and wise. Oh yeah, and like and, and speaking in obvious riddles all the time. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, um, all of that master Poe and young grasshopper crap. As, as, as it, it's it's really old now. Yeah. It's really old. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, what were the other? Um, I really enjoyed the bits about the founding of Unit. Mm-hmm. Now this is a. Um, I don't know whether this is supposed to be a postmodern reference or a callback, or whether the, it's just a good idea um, that writers feel uh, feel like they want to do it sometime. There is a history in science fiction programs. I bet you you can tell me a Star Trek one um, of doing an episode about the founding of the organisation that's featured in the program. Sure. Um, the ones I can think of. There's an episode called Confetti Check OK, which is an episode of UFO from 1971. is about the founding of Shadow mm-hmm. uh, and obviously how it causes young, uh, very young Colonel Straker's marriage to go to shit. Um, and the other one is um, a, a sort of mid-period, right in the middle episode of um, Shinseki Evangelion. Um, which is a 
sort of completely out of time episode about um, the the foundation of nerve, and you get oh, yes. to see a, a very young uh, Ikari Gendo and a very young Ikari Yui, and that one obviously is sort of even more doom laden than um, just someone's marriage falling to bits. Yeah, we did Evangelion. We did, you know, I've watched I've watched that you know back to back maybe two or three times. They did. It really is. It really is a special, special program, isn't it? I don't. I don't. I don't remember the exact episode you're talking about, but I can't imagine anything, anything in that show not being done with with just that touch of class, basically. Well, for something that leans so heavily on UFO, I mean, yeah. it, 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 um, that was an obvious touchstone for me. Um, if you watch the title sequences of the two programs back to back, it's like, oh yeah, mm. now I get it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Evangelion's very sort of Jerry Anderson approach to technology. Um, you know, the, the, there's there's nothing mystical about it. Um, it's all you you get to see the mechanical engineering in loving detail, and you get to see like technicians standing around. Yeah. You know, the, there's nothing mystical about these things. That they're, they're machines that have to be worked on and taken care of by people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I I really enjoyed the fact that they were going to do an Origins of Unit story. Um, all of the little vignettes in this episode could have been a perfectly satisfactory episode in there. In, in fact, what they should have done, um, and if the script editor wasn't also the main writer and also the producer, any script editor worth his salt would have read through the script and said, episode five, that's your season right there. Sure. Take this idea and expand it to episode length. And this uh-huh. idea and expand it to episode length. Um, fuck, all, fuck off all that pseudo-psychedelic crap. Um, like, fuck off that meaningless episode one, um, which is just actually... <laughs> we're meant to think it's setting up all of the stuff that we are revisiting here, except, of course, it doesn't. Um, keep Village of the Angels... Um, yeah. Take this episode five and expand each one of those episodes to like each one of these four good ideas. Expand them all to, to, to episode length, and then write a new final episode. It's a great but idea, actually, Doc, and and it kind of ties into a question I was going to ask you. You know, obviously, you know, Chibnall has decided to to construct it in this kind of broken back narrative kind of style, where it's kind of time hopping all over the fucking place and making it. I mean, frankly baffling um and really really hard to follow what's the point in, in that and wouldn't it be better to have each of those narratives as individual episode stuff um i've got a couple of theories on this um i am trying really really hard to be fair to chris chibnall um i can understand why i, I mean fundamentally i think it's a senior management mistake um, it's there are reasons why nation states don't allow the same person to be the president and the chief lawmaker and the head of state. It's too much power for one person to have. And being the writer and the script editor and the producer is it, it's it, it's a giddying amount of power for one person to have, and it inculcates too much conflict in any one person. Mm-hmm. Because there's nobody there to challenge us. There's, there's nobody set. To- there to say that's not a very good that's that's not a good idea chop that down cut that bit out you know make this bit more clear that person does not exist in that structure does it no um and i mean there's not even um you don't even have to go so far as challenging you don't even have to go so far as to be combative about it Mm. 
Um, I mean, I, I think Star Wars fans know very well what happened when George Lucas took on all three of those jobs at once. Yeah. Um, we got the Phantom fucking Menace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even worse, we got Attack of the Fucking Clones. Good Lord. Which at least, which at least has a quality comedy title. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the movie that the, the movie that could have been that could have been I know I, absolutely. Um, just, a, just a screenful of Rob Halfords <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember when you would see a preview to that and you were like splitting your sides and able to speak when you were talking about how the plot apparently concerns the, uh, the very youthful empire constructing an army of clones. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Clone zone in Birmingham. I've never been so busy. You're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, mate, the movie that could have been. Um, this is what I mean about when when you have those, when one person has those three jobs, when there isn't another pair of eyes or another person. Um, I mean, uh, unless you're so seriously bipolar, um, that you are literally three personalities in one brain. Um, I don't see anyone making that work. Mm-hmm. So first of all, um, I, I, I think it's a terrible executive level decision um, to give those three jobs to all the one person. Um, I can understand any writer and any filmmaker or any television program maker wanting to push themselves and wanting to challenge themselves and wanting to be experimental. Um, the way in which you do that if we're talking about, let's say, Steven Spielberg or like other directors at that time, um, and when those directors have got a certain reputation that they were going to get investors' money back, usually, um, they would pick a, pers- a, a, a little personal project um, and they would ask for just the exact amount of money that they thought they would need um, and then work like hell to pull the idea off. And, you know, that, that's that's how you get Schindler's List. That's how you get Bird. That's how you get, some would say, like The Elephant Man or Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. Um, and so first you have to establish your credentials. You have to really make your bones. Then um, you have to put some skin in the game. Then you ask for the smallest amount of money that you think you'll need to be able to pull it off. Um and then you have to take responsibility for it personally if it fails. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, this this is exactly what Chris Chibnall is not doing with the season of Doctor Who. He's being massively indulged. He's been pampered like fuck. Um, nobody dares to say no to him or nobody cares to say no to him. Once again, it's another thing that doesn't work. I, um, I can't imagine, Doc, how much money has been spunked on this season. And and, and 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 it you know I mean obviously there's another episode to come but with with the exception of um, last week's episode and, and maybe episode two was was was, was okay as well you know um, it, it is just to my mind just, just such a dreadful failure it it, it 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 seems almost bloody criminal to be honest. I really don't want to be one of those Daily Telegraph readers who writes to points of view and says, this is not what we pay our license fee. I know, I know, I know, Doc. I, I understand that. Yeah. Um, and no, there aren't but, many thousands... I wouldn't be... In, I'm, I'm sorry, Doc. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm on my soapbox. I, yeah. I wouldn't be so annoyed by it if, it if it also didn't look so fucking terrible. I thought tonight's episode looked 
shocking. I hated the direction. Just massive close-ups of people's faces constantly, just massive faces on screen. There was no subtlety. There was no nuance to it. The editing was atrocious. Um, it, it, it all kind of looked like there was like, almost like mist floating in front of the camera. I, I tell you what it looked like. It looked like it looked like either kind of really expensive, really expensive pornography, or you know, one of those kind of god awful American soap operas like The Bold and the Beautiful, that kind of that kind of shit. That's what it made me think of, Doc. Um, they're certainly not looking much better than the than your average um, made for the Sci-Fi Channel thing here, are they? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. And, and the acting so, I mean, was, wasn't much better, you know. I mean, especially that 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 the, the head of unit, the woman that played the head of unit. Let me have a quick yeah. Gemma Gemma Redgrave. Um, you know, she's Kate Lethbridge Stewart. You know, obviously, you know, brigadier the, the brigadier's daughter. Um, I mean, her acting was 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 just so so goddamn awful, Doc. I, I don't know how it got past the fucking. You know what I mean? I'm enraged. I can't can't even finish my sentence. Um, Whenever I see something like this on modern television, um, I'm always curious as to what went on on that set. Yeah. I mean, at no point did the director say, that performance was terrible, do it again. No, I don't think so. Um, I I mean, I'm not not demanding that, like, everything is Stanley Kubrick making Sean Penn... um, run across Beckton Power Station 178 times <laughs> um, until he gets the right expression on his face. Mm. Um, you know, you don't look scared enough, you don't look cold enough, you don't look tired enough. Mm. Um, I don't demand that everything is that. Um, but at no point did the director shout, stop filming, um, and just say, I'm afraid that performance was not up to par. Mm-hmm. Do they not hold auditions nowadays? Well, I mean, maybe you're not aware, Doc, but she has been in it before, so she's kind of established. Um, so, so, so I guess it's not really, you know, the current casting director's fault that she is the, you know, the actress that's been chosen to play that part. Um, so was so she that bad before? I, I can't remember. I, I, I just can't remember because, because I, I, I don't watch Modern Who more than once, so I just can't remember. Sure. Um, but, I mean, when when casting directors... Met, and I assume that casting directors know what they're doing. Mm. Um, and, like, if you can't remember her being that bad previously, and she certainly was bad in this mm. episode, then I, I've, I've got to blame the director. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. yeah, fair enough, yeah. And, and, you know, and... and, and, and as I say, I found the the, the direction at, at, at times here absolutely mystifying. Just stick the camera right in someone's face, and so their face takes up the whole screen. That I think that's fair enough. If you're kind of making, I don't know, like a like a, a, a micro budget Bulgarian movie about a couple of prostitutes sitting in some kind of squalid bedsit. Flat smoking Marlborough, just you know, you just escape the the horror of their own existence. Yeah. That's fair enough, Doc. But but that but that's not what we're making here, is it? We're making Doctor Who, you know, some kind of accessible, family friendly sci-fi. Surely, 
so I mean, I, I, just to go back to this, I, I've got a quandary to solve here, which is I claim to love experimental filmmaking and experimental use of and, and, and imaginative use of media. Um, and I am absolutely determined not to be uh, one of these blue noses with a green ink pen who writes into points of view mm. uh, and starts with why, oh, why, oh, why? This is not what I pay my license fee for. Um, I said this a couple of episodes ago. The bits that it thinks are like experimental or in the style of European cinema or something like that, they're, they're a simulacra of that. There's someone who's done, I, I suspect, like one lecture um, on Central European cinema um, when they were doing media studies. Mm. Um, and they probably watched like half an hour of that movie that you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, which mathematically must exist. Yeah, um, <laughs> almost certainly. Yeah, um, they 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 made a note. Uh, you know, uh, ah ah ah. That that that's. Um, I'll do that at some point in the future. I'll do it. There were. A, a, am I the only person who thought that Jodie was phoning in her performance? Well, I tell you what, Doc. Oh, I, I was, was going to save this until a bit later, but I watched it with my uh, with my housemates. You know, and now I'm not versed in in Doctor Who, and then you know they, they've kind of been tuning into Flux just because I'm watching it. Um, and I, I think they've watched all but one. I think they missed, um, probably fortunately, they missed the the, the baffling uh, once upon once comma. Upon time, that that's the one that they missed. So you know, they, they, they've seen the rest. They really, really enjoyed last week's, and they, and they actually they made a point to say, you know, remind us, do not watch it. You know, we without us, basically, we want to watch the, the next one because they, they loved the whole kind of vibe, the the atmosphere, and they loved the cliffhanger, um, and so they wanted to they wanted to watch it. And here's what they said: they, they made three points basically. Um, they said that. Um, Jodie's performance was eccentric and childish. They felt that it was kind of aimed at children, not at a mixed audience. It was like squarely being aimed at, 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 at a child audience, basically. She was kind of over the top. Her delivery was over the top, deliberately. Um, and they seemed to recognise that it was deliberate. You know, it wasn't bad acting. It was like a deliberate directorial choice that she was being instructed to do. They, so they kind of understood it, but they said they didn't like it because they felt that like they were being patronised in a way. Um, and the other point they made, um, uh, two more points. Um, they asked, you know, who 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 are Bell and Binder and why do they matter? Um, and in fact, they didn't even know the characters' names. Um, you know, who, <laughs> no, no, no. Fair enough. You know, who, who's the Asian lass and who's the guy with the dreads? Base was the question. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and. <clears throat> You know, the the, the, the the third one was, you know, why is there that stupid, again, like childlike puppet dog thing wandering around? Um, so, so that was their takeaway, basically. Um, I could end up having quite a bit of affection for the stupid puppet dog thing. Mm. Um, mm. It, it's, it's a naff enough idea and a crap enough effect that, uh, I mean, very much in the way of like a real life three-legged dog with a leaky scrotum. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I sort of um, by now um, I want to give it a cuddle and I, I know you're crap and useless, but don't worry, I love you. And that's where I am with with with, with the crap dog thing at the moment. Um, 
I'm not. I'm not really. I haven't taken against. Is it Carvinistra? I think his name is. His name is. Yes. Yeah, I haven't really taken against him. I did. It's quite likable. You know the the northern accent. You know, what you know whatever the politics are behind that decision. I think. I think it does work. Um, he's a good foil. You know, for John Bishop, basically. Although we didn't really see that this episode, but he was. You know, in the episode they were together. Um, yeah, I've got no great. No great kind of bother with all that stuff, but but you know, I'm using my housemates almost as like a barometer basically for the casual viewer, and you know they're they're, you know if if, if they are reflective of what the casual viewer thinks, the, the show is in a world of trouble. Doc, um, I'll take up a couple of those points that you just made, considering there's supposed to be a script editor on this program. At some point, if I can be bothered, I would like to go back and like write down the doctor's lines mm. um, and just make a note of how many of them she repeats. How many times did she say, dot, 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 I will stop this? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, the, to me, the whole, all, pretty much all of the dialogue was a constant stream of exposition. It yes, was it just, was. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, it, it, you know, this is the story. This is what's happening, and it's coming out of the characters' mouths, basically. It's yeah. a, you know, show don't tell is the rule, isn't it? And, and this was the exact opposite. Well, I mean, isn't this one of the like? Isn't this one of the apart from the crass misogyny? Um, isn't this one of the things that people constantly mock eighty slasher films for? Go on. Um, well, uh, the classic one is Crazy Ralph from Friday the 13th, isn't it? <laughs> Ow. Hello? Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? One. Remind me. I can't remember the character. um, In as much as um, slasher films need any setup in the first place, there's always like some village halfwit or loony or something. Mm. Um, Or or, or else there's an ancient tome Mm. um, that gets discovered or who pops up to spout reams and reams of exposition about who the killer is and and, and what his backstory is. Um, And why he's suddenly around chopping up teenage girls who get their tits out. Yeah, uh-huh. it, it, it's like wrong turn, isn't it? Are you all right? I'm so sorry. Yeah. I just found this tied to a tree back there. Somebody did this.
lost. We're looking for a phone. You know, look, 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 the crazy yokel in the petrol station, basically. Don't go up there. Don't go up there. You know, I don't know what I'm doing in a Cornish accent. It's a fucking American <laughs> film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, when when people mock 80 slasher films, that's one of the things they always justifiably mock them for. Mm-hmm. Um just like you said, this is when people who know about filmmaking always say, like, the, guys, the rule is show, don't tell. Um, and you're absolutely right. Uh, we've already had an episode which was 20 minutes of nothing but exposition to camera. Mm-hmm. It, and it, it, it was two episodes ago. <laughs> mm, I know. It, it, it's um, absolutely bonkers, Doc. I'm, I'm going to hit you with three non sequiturs. Do you mind? No. And then you react to these. Um, the Doctor escaped division. The Doctor is the whole focal point of the story. The Doctor's mother. Oh, I mean, uh, I just, I started chuckling along with this without Mo having told me a thing, dear gentle listeners, because <laughs> um, it's 2021, I knew by now there is no way we could have escaped having a dark origin story for the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew it had to have happened um, at some point. And, uh, you know, a fucking course, the doctor was going to have a parent of some description and a fucking course, the doctor was going to end up with abandonment issues. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because in, because all modern media, um, which is so very, very influenced by Marvel superhero films, the backstory is actually more important than the story you're telling. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, I wasn't even surprised when all the stuff about the doctor's mother came up. Sure. Um, I, it, it's, it's not like I'm a massive fan of continuity in Doctor Who anyway. Um, you know, last week we were talking about the, a few days ago, we were talking about the deadly assassin, which is obviously a story that gleefully shits over everything anyone thought they knew about the doctor and the time Lords and Doctor Who continuity. So it, it, it's, it's not like it bothers me all that much. I just wish they hadn't gone about it in such a banal way. Um, my take, mine, and I think Mo agrees with me in part, is that what's so great about Doctor Who, point number one, it doesn't have an origin story. It's a television series that, that, that just starts. Yeah. Um, and we don't get to know a thing about the character, as one might expect from a television programme called Doctor Who. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very good, Doc. Yeah, um, yeah. It, 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 you know, it kind of brings to mind the Borg, doesn't it? You know, I, mean, I know I bang on about TNG too much, consider, you know, considering this is a show meant to be talking about Doctor Who, but I think Star Trek is always kind of a, a reference point. Um, you know, the Borg started out as this kind of mysterious foe um, that, 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 that you know that came from the Delta Quadrant. That's all we knew about them. They came from the Delta Quadrant. All they were interested in was, you know, uh, assimilation, assimilating technology. They were interested in individuals. Um, and, you know, just gradually over time, the writers decided to almost like humanise them. Um, and, and, and of course, all that does is kind of underpowers them, undervalues them and undercuts them. And I think the same thing is true here, you know, kind of giving the doctor a, a 
backstory that, 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 that involves like being abandoned by her mother. I, mean, I, I wish I could be more eloquent, Doc, but just, just fuck off, basically. Um, so I'm going to come to... Uh, you've just made a Star Trek reference. I'm going to make one as well. Um, from the preview of next week's episode, mm-hmm. aren't, they t- uh, aren't they about to turn the Doctor into Odo? I mean... I, 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 I didn't watch it. I'll be honest with you, Doc. I was, oh, I was so um, infuriated. I, I didn't watch the, uh, the preview. Well, um, next week's episode, um, I couldn't even believe I was watching this. Right. <laughs> Division are going to take the Doctor through a wormhole so he, so the Doctor can learn the secrets of the Doctor's origins. Right, okay, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, go, go through the wormhole, find the link, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I just sat there, am, am I watching, am I watching such a naked rip-off of something that, Let's face it. Quite a few Doctor Who fans are going to be aware of. Probably, I, I would imagine. I would imagine the Venn diagram of, yeah. of people who have watched both Deep Space Nine and Doctor Who is quite large. It's, it, it's, it'd be a, a, a little crescent. A li- a, a, I'm a going thirty-five percent. Thirty-five percent. That's my number. It's uh, yeah. Um, you, you're going higher than I would, but Fair enough. Uh, yeah. we'll get back to that. Um, <laughs> and you know. <laughs> I don't know why that's just tickled me. Venn diagrams always make me laugh. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 here's a funny and harmless joke about that. Um, I was, I once had a co-worker who consistently, um, and it, eventually he started slapping his head every time he did it. He called them Venn diagrams by mistake. <laughs> right. Um, and um, for his Christmas present, one year, someone made him a Venn diagram with the points of overlap between all of the Fast and the Furious films. How very how brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. For, for, for a second there, I thought it might be some kind of uh, wine reference, but there we go. We never know. <laughs> yeah. That tickled my funny bone, yeah, that did. Yeah. Um, so... What a bunch of nerds. What, what a couple of fucking nerds we are, Doc. Chuckling away at Venn diagrams. <laughs> it's great to be alive sometimes. Um, so, you know what we should do? Um, I, um, when we actually want to destroy the world through nerdgasm. At the end of this episode, at, at the end of the story, at the end of this project, we should make a Gantt chart with milestones of the important points of the plot development. <laughs> Oh, Doc, I, I nearly choked then. I, I haven't heard the word Gantt since I was at university. <laughs> Go on, Doc, get back on, get back on track. I've, I've distracted you. No, I, I'm just thinking now about how many, uh, how many more ways I can think of to make examining the story turn into a, an even more tedious exercise in um, middle micromanagement than it is already. Yeah, did you, um, Doc, just make the spreadsheet go fucking green. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> make it go green. Um, yeah, well, KPIs. I, them I was going to say that they're, they're, they're not scoring very high on their KPIs. So no, they're not. You know, um, unless being entertaining and making fucking sense are KPIs for this story. <laughs> um, right. My whole point about Doctor Who always is that there's there's nothing remotely special about the Doctor. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes down to it, he's a bit of a crap Time Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets away with appearing awesome to the sort of 
lesser races who he makes friends with. Um, but once again, once you get to the, um, the war games and once you get to the deadly assassin, um, you realize that he's the product of a culture that thinks more of itself than it probably should. Um, and he's not even a very good or very competent member of it. Yeah. Um, that's why we love him so much because he's very fallible and he makes terrible mistakes all of the time and wears stupid clothes. And now Doctor Who is in this really, really weird bipolar position of it flip-flops alternately between the Doctor making these grandstanding statements about how the Doctor is the final, um, you know, the final court of appeal and the Doctor wields ultimate authority. Defender of the Earth, basically. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then suddenly, um, like a... 16-year-old Smiths fan who's, like, wrapped by parental anxiety issues and, mm-hmm. um, you know, what we, what we already know about, one of the very few things that we know about the Doctor um, is that the Doctor cares so few fucks about the Doctor's own roots. Um, that, that was why they abandoned their, their, their own planet and their own culture in the first place, because they thought that other places and other people were more interesting. Whenever the Doctor goes on one of these like grandstanding fucking sermons, I can't shake that song from Team America World Police out of my head. Listeners, if I've mentioned this before, I apologise, because we will cut it in at this point. But, you know, it's that America, fuck yeah song, isn't it? You know, America, fuck yeah. America. fantastic uh, montage this fantastic montage sequence of like american fighter jets swooping in there's one um like, sh- suspicious shady looking character with a turban on standing <laughs> next, standing next to the eiffel tower and america's response is to, is to fly in a bunch of fucking um f-15s or whatever and and, and fire missiles at it, destroying half of Paris just to take out this one guy, basically. And I, I just can't shake that image from my head, Doc. It, it's such bullshit. It's so very, very far from um, anything that I think, not just Doctor Who should be about, but anything with any social responsibility. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. You listen to me, little people, because I'm better than you. That's the message, Doc, and it's fucking disgusting. Um, it's, I've banged on about this before, so I'll keep it short this time. It's nothing I don't expect from Chris Chibnall. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I probably went a bit too far a, little, a few episodes, a, a, a few instalments ago when, um, when I called him a fascist. But um, it, he, he does love authority. He does mm-hmm. love authority figures. Mm-hmm. Um, he does clearly think that the working classes or the common people um, will 
turn to theft and alcoholism and murder if they're not relentlessly policed sure. mm-hmm. by people who are better than them. That's right. <laughs> and that's the problem to me, Doc. It's the, that, that, that kind of implied judgment. I don't necessarily mind that contradiction being there. Um, you know, doing the story about, and I, I mean, Chris Butcher could have done this. Mm. Um, and in a, in a very different way, Douglas Adams could have done it. Yeah. And um, arguably, I'd say David Whitaker did do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind this contradiction between um, the doctor suddenly being put in the position of being an authority figure, and how does um, how does a natural born anarchist like the doctor deal with author- deal with having authority thrust on them? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, well, don't I, mind- I suppose any any crisis situation requires a leader, doesn't it? Because otherwise, things become chaotic. Um, but it, but it's how it's it's how that leadership manifests that's important. Yeah, and for people who are living through the nineteen sixties, um, and I I, I always met, I, I can't resist mentioning power of the Daleks when it comes down to this. For people living through the nineteen sixties and witnessing um, colonial powers gaining independence, um, none of those people would have needed reminding that revolutionary leaders are terrible peacetime leaders. Mm. Um, mm. Whatever your thoughts about Winston Churchill, um, and we won't go down that road in this episode, great wartime leader, um, four years after the war was over, um, he was no confidence because he was such a terrible peacetime leader. Sure. Um, sure. If you look at the uh, the heroes of African independence or Southeast Asian independence, um, all of those people scored magnificent victories um, against much larger, better armed and wealthier powers um and as soon as they took control their countries um turned into genocidal corruption laden um in in, in many cases failed states mm-hmm. that word gotta mention this can't resist it um very very controversial um and you know this this is like one of the things that Doctor Who should be doing in the year 2021. It's one of the things that Doctor Who has always had the power to do. Did you spot the line that basically say that basically said, where you have failed states, where you have a refugee crisis, that's going to spit a bunch of very fucking vicious individuals out into the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, do, 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 remind me, Doc, of the specific line. Well, uh, and I, um, I'm pretty sure it's the Doctor who has the line about um, because the flux is devastating the universe, it's causing a refugee crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people who are now displaced, and she uses the word, I think she says displaced people, or dis- doesn't quite say displaced persons, um, are now looking for a home, and the places they're looking for a home are the worlds that are still intact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be surprised if the programme makers, for all their pretenses to political correctness, I, I, I don't even know... Did they know what they were doing, putting their foot in that one? Mm. Um, they're, they're, they're I, very pertinent. In, 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 just you know, just a few days after the, the you know, the biggest tragedy so far that we've seen in the English Channel, I guess. Well, here's the thing: you see, um, because I've taken the trouble to study history, um, it's not controversial for me when someone says refugee crises throw up a bunch of really fucking vicious individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. If you're if you're the kind of person who's got what it takes to survive the fucking hell on earth of a refugee camp and make it out and make it across a foreign border um, and survive and not get um, raped to death or starved to death 
if you're that kind of individual, by the end of that experience, you might not be the nicest individual on earth now, might you? Well, it, 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 it's like the uh, squaddy syndrome, isn't it, basically? You know, if, you, you know, it, 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 if you've kind of been sent to hell for three years and, yes. you, and, and you come out of it, then, you know, maybe your your social graces are not quite the same as somebody that's been living in fucking Croydon for the last three years, you know? Yeah, precisely. One of my um, good friends is um, a member of the French military and he was on tour of duty in Afghanistan for three years and he was talking to me um, about when he first came back he went to the supermarket um, the supermarket is called Antamashi um, it's kind of the equivalent of Asda or Tesco or something like that um, and he said that he was standing in front of the, he was standing in the chiller oil, kind of looking at the the assortment of like sausage so and cheese and ham, and <clears throat> he was he was overwhelmed by a sense of cold fury, and he wanted to he wanted to fight the people in the aisle there with him because he was so angry just at how kind of easy their lives were based on kind of his experience of the last three years. I thought, I thought it was profound, though. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I've got my own version of that. I, 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 yeah. did, volunteer, I, I did volunteer PS, uh, PTSD counselling um, mm-hmm. a few years ago. Um, they, only let it, they, they only let you do it for um, one year. Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, the, the, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that um, I'm actually under oaths of confidence um to keep to myself but yeah I, um <laughs> um people who've been through hell sometimes become demons yeah mm-hmm. you know and my guy kind of recognized it in himself but fortunately he had like the you know the self-awareness to to see it and, and control his behavior basically and, and kind of rectify it almost stuff stuff tough stuff man um so in I can't work out whether, considering the the, the agenda that the, the Doctor Who seems to, or that popular media seems to be determined to push, mm. I can't work out whether it was the scriptwriters being very brave in making the statement that, just to reiterate, is not remotely controversial to me, and I don't think should be controversial to anyone, but which is bound to be, um, or like whether they just stepped in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whether that line got through um, <clears throat> and since particularly this week without being politically correct without wishing to be politically correct this is a good week isn't it for keeping your fucking mouth shut about refugees yeah absolutely correct Doc. yeah but but of course they could not have predicted that you know when they made the show and, and the show was scheduled it's a funny thing doc i have i haven't talked about that story with anybody until we We've we've touched upon it now, and the reason is, you know, the the, the story we're talking about is the uh, like the mass drowning of uh, people trying to um, move to the UK from France over the English Channel, um, and you know their their boat sank. Well, their dinghy, the boat is far too grand a word. Their, their dinghy uh, deflated and sank, and you know, 
30, 31, 32, I can't remember the exact number, drowned. Only two were, were, were rescued. I haven't actually spoken about it with anybody. And the reason is, though, I'm terrified, you know, that somebody will say something along the lines of, oh, you know, whatever, you know, whatever, you know. I'll, I'll fucking, I'll, doc, I'll fucking swing at them, mate, if they do. I'll fucking swing at them. Don't really know a lot about the situation because nobody knows a lot about the situation. Yeah. Because it's another one of these things in popular culture and popular reporting where nobody is doing anything but pimping their own agenda. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it's it's one of these occasions when I, I, we, we really need Chris Morris on the case of... Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yes. Someone of someone, someone of his ilk. Doc, let, 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 let's get back to the show. I don't, I'm going to get I'm going to get too upset otherwise, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was sort of vaguely important to to bring that up. Mm. Um, I agree. I agree, Doc. Yeah, because it's such an odd thing. Um, mm. I should point out. I am aware of the fact that I appear to be. Uncritically praising old Doctor Who compared to new Doctor Who. Sure. Um, and I, I did my best to explain last week what should be obvious now that I'm comparing something that I've lived with for a long time and I'm very intimately familiar with to something I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, in my cussed contrarian way, I feel like at some point in the future, I will make it a personal mission of mine to go back and understand the hell out of every single part of the story because I, I I do stuff like that. Sure. Um, I don't ever wa- I don't ever hate watch anything. I don't like the idea that I'm thick. I, I'm I'm too thick to understand what's going on. Of all the adjectives that can be applied to you, Doc, thick is pretty much last on the list. Um, so the very you know the very fact that you don't really understand what's happening. Gives me great, gives me kind of great satisfaction in a way because I, I was watching it tonight. Um, episode three had the same effect on me. I sat there and I really focused, really tried, and I got to the end of it. What the living fuck just happened? Because I, I don't, I don't know. And and to, and today has done the same thing. What the living fuck was that about? And I, I just don't know. Now, <clears throat> oh, the, the, the third point, the, the third or fourth point that my housemates made um, that I forgot to mention. You know, <clears throat> they talked about the fact that they didn't really understand it, and so I kind of asked like a leading question. I, I said, "You didn't understand it in in like a." like an intrigued kind of way or an irritated way. And they were, it, it, it was uniform. No, really, really irritated. I just didn't understand it, you know. Tarantino does this kind of broken back stuff from, you know, from from time to time, doesn't he? And it, but, but, but it kind of works. You think about a film like Memento. I guess I've already told you about my condition. Funny every time I see you. You don't remember where you've been or what you've just done. I can't make new memories. Everything just fades. What's the last thing you do remember? My wife. That's sweet. Dying. You really want to get this guy, don't you? My wife deserves vengeance. When you find this guy, what are you going to do? Kill him. Somebody's got to pay, Lenny. Somebody always pays. You have to be very careful. You wander around playing detective. Maybe you should start investigating yourself. This guy is so dangerous, he's gonna kill me. Who is he? What do you want? 
want from me? I want my life back! I think someone's trying to get me to kill the wrong guy. You can question everything. You can never know anything for sure. There are things you know. Which basis, you know, its whole premise is, is this kind of confusing kind of narrative structure. But they work. This just seems to be such artifice, such pretentious bullshit, Doc. I don't, I'm, I'm cross. I'm cross, Doc. I can't help it. You mentioned Quentin Tarantino. Um, I found myself thinking of, we'll say, Mario Bava or Umberto Lenzi. Yeah. Um, and they're sort of um, murder mystery thrillers from the late 60s through to the mid-70s. Sure. Um, and none of those make a lick of sense. Uh-huh. Um, the, the killer is almost inevitably someone you've never heard of before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, their motive makes no sense. Um, but the reason you're there is to look at the beautiful, to- uh, the beautiful photography if it's Mario Bava, the drop-dead gorgeous lighting um, and likely a good percentage of why you're there is to look at naked Edvig Fennec. Um, <laughs> and who could ever blame me? Um, you're only flesh and blood, Doc. Yeah. Um, and so is Edvig Fennec, thank God. Yeah. Uh, and in most of those films, lots and lots of blood, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, so, focus, Doc. Focus, focus, Doc. <laughs> yeah. What I really sort of want to say <laughs> is that the, the, the reason you're there um, is not to be um, intellectually amazed by the brilliance of the writer and how they could um, write such an intriguing and seemingly impenetrable, yet completely plausible murder mystery. Because the murder mystery is always bollocks. Mm. Um, you're there for how it looks, how it sounds, um, just to put yourself inside this this beautiful painting um, for an hour and a half. And if this season of Doctor Who was doing that, then I wouldn't mind one little bit. But as you've alluded to it, this is the first episode, I think, where you have been more critical than me about the way it looks. Mm -hmm. Apart from the Village of the Angels episode, I haven't been impressed with the way it looks at all. It's very interesting. Once, comma, upon time, it didn't bother me. Like the visuals didn't bother me, but but it, it, it kind of got under your skin. Um, but yeah, but yeah, today I, it wasn't so much like the visual effects. It was it was the directorial choices and the editing that I didn't like today. It's interesting, isn't it? How considering it's all one season. It's all under the auspices of the same guy. Mm-hmm. Each episode finds new ways to fail. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I am already looking back very fondly on the Village of the Angels episode. Um, and for the first time ever, I'm now in the position of one of these people who um, remembered, let's say, the demons being on television. Yeah, um, and they remembered loving it, and then when they saw it again, when it probably when it reran on BBC Two in nineteen ninety or something like this, they were terribly disappointed because it wasn't as good as they remember it being. Yeah, um, I'm I'm now in precisely that position with the Village of the Angels. I, I I really don't want to go back and watch it again because a little over one week on, um, I'm full of fond memories for it. Yeah, I, I think it'd be okay. I, I think it really was a strong episode. I, it, it, it it's one of the few. 
of modern who that maybe i will re-watch at some point you know i've re i have rewatched blink uh i rewatched the um oh no i can't tell you that because it'd be a spoiler for our like our show and our normal run um but yeah the, 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 for people that do know there's a two-parter in season two that will identify it sufficiently for you know the people that know um the, 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 that i have rewatched. um I've rewatched um, uh, Fugitive of the Jadoon from from last season um, <laughs> because because something happens in that, that that is just so astonishingly jaw dropping. It, it really it took my breath away, Doc. Astonishing um, jaw dropping. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know that combination of words, yeah. Um, it did, yeah, really, really, really good. And and and, and Village of the Angels. My, it's probably going to be added to that list um, of, you know, of the handful of modern who's that, that, that I will rewatch and Rose I'd put in there as well, to be honest. Um, but I mean, tonight, it, it, just, such a shambles, you know, Hellraiser, you know, I mean, Hellraiser keeps kind of rearing its, it's, it's, it's distorted, mutated head, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and the thing is, I get it. I don't understand why, you know, kind of why we and other people kind of keep referring to it um but if 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 if, if hellraiser is the inspiration for the for the swarm you know uh <laughs> i assume you don't mean the killer bee movie with michael no. Caine. for more than 20 years scientists have known that a swarm of killer bees has been headed towards the united states now warner brothers presents erwin allen's the swarm. We have visual contact. Identify. A black mass, sir. A moving black mass. We have been invaded by an enemy far more lethal than any human force. Starring Michael Caine, Catherine Ross, Richard Widmark, Richard Chamberlain, Olivia de Havilland, Ben Johnson, Lee Grant, Jose Ferrer, Patty Duke Aston, Slim Pickens, Bradford Dillman, Fred McMurray, and Henry Fonda. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, um, you know, the, 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 this show kind of feels like Hellraiser 6 and Hellraiser 7 rather than yeah. the original. You know, it's it's like, yeah, you know, all the all the dramatis personae are kind of vaguely familiar, but it's just not quite right. It's not it, it doesn't feel quite correct. Does that make sense? Though? Yeah, uh, didn't we allude to this a few weeks ago? And I said the problem with this season of Doctor Who is that it feels like Hellraiser 7, but doesn't even have Karivura in it. Oh, did you say that, Doc? I, I, I didn't mean to steal you. I didn't mean to steal your line, man. Um, it's a good line. It, 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 it yeah. bears repeat. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's not so much um, the original Hellraiser as uh, like a, a, um, a, a direct-to-video Hellraiser film with a script that was probably repurposed from some other film um, and, fil and, and and shot in Romania with a cast who speak English as a second language. Sure, sure. Um, I've, got, I've got like a, I've got a question really, Doc, and maybe you can, maybe you can help me out here because it, there is something I don't quite understand. You, you know, the, I can't remember the character's name, but the, like, the, the old timey guy, you know, from kind of Victorian era Liverpool, that yes, basically building the tunnels. Um, he really feels like 
a character from The League of Gentlemen. makeup, the way he's dressed, the way that he's acting, really, really feels, I mean, that could, that could well be Reese Shearsmith, you know, playing that role. Um, and then today, they started, he started talking about this thing called doorway number nine. And I thought, hang on a second. You know, the, 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 they did League of Gentlemen, then they did Psychoville, and then and the, the, their kind of current project is Inside Number Psycho Nine, isn't it? Yeah. Which, and every episode starts with the shot of a door, with the, a different door, with the number nine. Right? That cannot be a coincidence, can it? No, and um, that's the kind of thing that, do, that, that doesn't bother me one little bit. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm it, not saying I was bothered. I'm, I'm just yeah. curious as to your take on it. Um. I, having been prompted, I know what you're talking about. I yeah. never would have made the connection between um, the League of Gentlemen. Fair um, that was that. Those <clears throat> bits, that character um, is another one of the bits that um, I think should have been a whole entire episode mm. in its own mm. right. Correct. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, um, a, that's a strand unto itself, isn't it? Just do that as as, as a standalone, basically. Yeah, and. Mm. Uh, um, I mean, once again, if, if you're going for bold, if if you want bold statements, um, how about if this guy has figured out a way of defeating the alien menace all by himself? Ah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, sure. Um, because, you know, what this story has done, I can't believe that we're, we're pretty much like four hours into... The, we're almost the war games into the story by now. The running time of the war games. Yep. Um, more than the running time, much, much, much more than the running time of the Silurians or Inferno. Mm -hmm. um, and there hasn't, there's been like 30 minutes worth of plot. Yeah, I did, it, it, it's absolutely astonishing, Doc. I did, you know, oh, you've been watching Doctor Who Flugs? Yes, I have. What's going on? Not a fucking clue. I mean, I mean that, that would be the answer. Well, it, you can either say not a clue or not a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I, I'm the kind of person who can like I, I can happily sit through Artemis Eighty One by David Rudkin, which is you know a, a three-hour play where almost nothing happens. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm not intimidated by Samuel Beckett. Um, I I don't need things to be um, a constant roller coaster ride um, and uh, um, and an assault on the senses all of the time. Um, my favourite television programme is Sapphire and Steel, for fuck's sake.
all irregularities will be handled by the forces controlling each dimension. Transuranic heavy elements may not be used where there is life. Medium atomic weights are available. Gold, lead, copper, jet, diamond, radium, sapphire, silver and steel. Sapphire and steel have been assigned. Mm. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I mean, um, how much more nothing happens can you get than that? Well, I'm currently doing a, a like a, a mass rewatch of Seinfeld. establish our credentials that we, we we're not lab chimps we, we, we don't need to be constantly stimulated with electric shocks to the base of the brain stem or something mm-hmm. um but i'm trying to account for what this thing has been doing spinning its wheels for the last four hours yeah. because i can't tell you're right doc i've got one more question to ask you the grand serpent doc what the fuck well, this is yet another plot thread as if we don't have enough. And mm. once again, something else, that, and this, this is my number four, um, perfectly good um, episode in its own right. Um, we had very, very few, almost no references to season 16 mm. in this episode. Um, so mm. it looks like we're going to we're, we're turn out to be wrong about that. Yeah. Um, Do you think that was baiting? Because I, I think I think the references in episodes one to three were so clear. Do you think that you know? Do you think that was kind of deliberate red herring stuff and just baiting? I've got no objection to that. You know, um, you know, kind of put sending people off the scent. That's fair enough. What do you think? Oh, um, I've got no problem with. Um, I've got no problem with the joke being on me. Um, mm. Yes, I am a sad fanboy. Um, mm. Yes, I was absolutely primed to start picking up on uh, uh, on stuff like that, um, and I've got no problem with um, the scriptwriter having a good chortle at me. Ha ha! Fooled you there. Yeah, yeah. fine, you did. You you yeah. absolutely fooled me. Um, yeah. And in retrospect, it was quite a funny joke, um, and it certainly did send me off on the wrong scent. Um, the reason I think it sent me off on the wrong scent is because there never was a right one. Mm. But um, uh, it, it's obviously far too much to suggest that the um, the snake tattoo that those people have um, is kind of a bit reminiscent of the mark of the Mara now, isn't it? Uh-huh. Oh, Doc. Here we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's it's one thing. Um, I almost kind of do, and I almost kind of don't hope that they do or don't 
do a grand unifying final, you know, where, for instance, we find out that um, it is the Black Guardian and the Mara and... Did, did the Master get a name check? Yeah, the Master was was referenced yeah, directly yeah. tonight, um, yeah. And, um, and I like your little... Was, was that deliberate, Doc? You said, I, I kind of hope. I kind of hope. Yeah. Was that deliberate, Doc, or not? Um, that was a slip. Um, that was a slip of the. Uh, that was a slip of the forked tongue, mate. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Love. Brilliant. Um, yeah. That, that was a. That was a slip of the flickering forked tongue. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I simultaneously hope and dread that they're going to do a grand unifying theory of all of the evils the Doctor has ever faced are, are all actually the same ultimate mm. evil entity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I mean, absolutely, kind of coalesce them all into one kind of grand jest out being yes. effectively yeah brilliant yeah absolutely uh, I've got no problem and, with that. Um, uh, and mate you just dropped the reference there um you know what the the ultimate enemy that is also a guest out being that we've already met in doctor who don't you um no remind me that would be the fendal the creature that is death Ah, oh, of course, yeah, and 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 you've already you've you've already referenced uh, Chris Boucher in as, as we've been chatting tonight, Doc. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually referenced Chris Boucher in the context of let's something like Robots of Death or mm. his work on Blake Seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, very specifically, what happens when natural rebels have authority thrust on them? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a, a, an overbearing preoccupation of Chris Butcher throughout his, his, his tenure on Blake Seven, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, uh, he wrote that. Um, so, so I mean, I, I'm 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 just fanboy spazzing out at the moment. That's right, Doc. Um, Doc we're, coming, we, we're kind of coming up to the hour mark, and you know, we we, we, we kind of want to get this edited before before the hour strikes midnight. Um, any last thoughts? Well, when we do this again. Um, so this time next week, when we wind up the final episode, um, I think it would be nice if we didn't necessarily cap ourselves to just the one hour, because mm-hmm. we're going to have the episode to discuss, and we're going to have the whole thing to discuss. You're quite right. Yeah, I think, actually, I tell you what, let's have a production meeting on air. I think we need to do we, we need to do the, the, the episode as, as the hour, so we can get the episode edited and out on the day. And then yep. we need to do like a special kind of flux roundup episode for of about an hour as well. Yeah, what that's do you reckon, nice Doc? Is that fair enough? Definitely. Yeah, that, that's a compromise. There we go. I also want you to begin thinking about what we can do as um, a Christmas present um, for all of our fans. Oh, absolutely right. Yes, absolutely. A, a myriad fans um deserve something special so yeah obviously we, we, i mean we're, get, we're gonna have the uh new year's day episode to do anyway um you know because you know the the festive special doc don't forget about the festive special episode on january the first um yeah so you know so there is more who to come in the next few weeks um yeah in the meantime yeah we'll have a think about that maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about it next time doc my final thoughts, I'll be honest with you, I would have turned this off after 20 minutes if I were not obliged to watch it for this project. I thought it was woeful. I thought it was impenetrable nonsense. I thought it was shoddy in its kind of narrative ethic. Um, I thought it was incredibly 
kind of bloated in, in its own kind of self, sense of self-importance. Um, I really, really, really hated this doc. And I desperately hope that next week makes me feel more cheerful. <laughs> How about that for a while to go out? Um, here's what I think, and it's yeah. pretty much what I said at the beginning. Um, the people working on this um, had like a big double handful um, yeah. of yeah. ideas. Some of them were good and some of them were bad. And these people are either so disinterested in making Doctor Who or so interested in making something else, they were absolutely unable to spot the four really, really good ideas that I really liked. Yeah. Do you see what I did there? They must be good ideas, so I like them. Of course, of course. You, you, um, you, you entitled millennial prick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the four really good ideas that I liked. Yeah. Um, because the BBC has a clear obligation to make stuff that I like. Correct. Because <laughs> I, because I at all times, at all times, <laughs> yeah. Um, and they had these four cracking ideas, and they were completely unable to recognise them. And most of the episode was squandered on other stuff. Um, and I just got to get this out before the episode ends, including the the thing with the Doctor and Division. Um, in the end, I wish they hadn't. Yeah. That's all I can say. Fair enough, Doc. I think we're on the same page, brother. Okay, guys, that's it for this episode. Uh, join us next week um, when, of course, we will be discussing the final episode of Doctor Who Flux, which is called, I believe, drum roll, please, <laughs> The Vanquishers. You're going to be there, Doc? I am, yeah. And I mean, it's it's a good title. It's a good title, hopefully. It lives up to its billing. See you next week.